College Soccer Nation. My name is Matt Mott. I'm head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels, part of this fantastic podcast. I don't know why I call it fantastic, Brian, but Brian Lee is with me. The big deal from Rice Owls. I'm giving myself a shot, a self shout out there, aren't I? Fantastic podcast. I think you did. You're the lead man on a fantastic, self-appointed, <laughs> fantastic podcast. Uh, I'm just in a good mood, Brian, right? We're all off to Seattle tomorrow for a, a fun week of recruiting, and I'm fired up. It's sunny. It's beautiful here in, in Oxford, Mississippi. It's summertime. Camps are rolling. Recruiting's rolling. All kinds of fun stuff in the air. We we have a great show tonight. Um, Ronnie Woodward, the uh, ECNL coach, director at um, Tennessee Soccer Club. She's been, was a fantastic college coach, then transitioned into the club game and has been a great, great, great club coach here for a number of years. She runs the ODP program in the South. Uh, we all know her really well. Um, so I'm looking forward to talking to her and, and kind of diving in a little bit more into some recruiting and, and just kind of how things work for the youth players and maybe get into the what they're thinking as we uh, we just finished June 15th and, and those kind of things. Well, Matt, I did notice in your opening there, three cities that have never been mentioned in the same sentence. You're setting new records left and right. Seattle, San Diego, and Oxford, Mississippi. <laughs> I don't think I said San Diego. That's oh, not good didn't. enough. Didn't All make right. the list. Didn't make the All list. Right. I just uh, I took it in. But yeah, that's good. Um, better that and then way. Power Five. Big Power Five tonight, Brian. Big Power Five. As we are in camp season, five top camp games. See what you got. I bet you you have none of mine. I'll be well, shocked in, if you in, do. In camp settings, you are a fun Matt. I am fun Matt. I am fun Matt. It's true. Um, okay. Uh, so where this is where we're going to start with today, Brian. We are traveling. We are all most of the soccer world um, is headed to Seattle, and then and then um, and then then San Diego, and, and certainly there's regionals going on, and people are headed to those. So it's a pretty important time here in the next couple of weeks from a recruiting standpoint for players. So what I want to ask you about, Brian, is how do you travel? How do you travel? How do you watch a game? So my first question is, how many games a day? Do you feel confident saying you'll watch in a day, in one day? In a day. When I was younger, you know, the old Houston shootout days, oh. eight, eight to 10. Yeah, yeah. Kind of could, could slog through it. As a 51-year-old man who knows a little more what he's doing, three where I can pay attention <laughs> if it's in a row. Anything more than three in a row, I'm in just a haze. How many, how many games? How many games in a time slot is appropriate? So you got 11 o'clock time yeah. slot. How many you watch? Three at the most, if I'm wow, actually really? trying to evaluate okay. anything. Two, so ideally. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Okay, here's another very important question for you. What is your status on sitting? Do you go buy a chair? Do you stand? Do you get one of the chairs out of the uh, coach's tent? What's your, what's, your, what's your play? I don't remember the last time I sat at a uh, recruiting event. Oh, and, you're one of those, you know, that's right. Game. That's pretty High school true. game where you kind of have no choice, sit and stands, I'll sit. But ECNL, GA, I'm on the move, Matt. I'm active. I like to get, <laughs> get around. But and once again, if you know Brian and myself, we are opposite because I am 100% going to buy a chair when I arrive in Seattle or any event I go to. I'm going to buy a chair. And, and I got a little bone to pick with these college coaches. How, I mean, seriously, they got to go to the hut or the little coaches 
wherever and take one of those chairs. Here's here's my thing. Either one, stand like you do. Fair enough. Impressive. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Two, go buy a chair. And a lot of people now are buying those little, uh, I don't know what you call them. They're like, they're like pieced together. And they, they like, those things sit on the ground. It's like a little metal piece and they like carry them in their bags. Seen those things? You've had no. obviously seen them. Everybody sits on them. No, not familiar. <laughs> I don't watch other people while I'm out there. You do. All right, I'm pointing them out to you on Wednesday morning. Okay. I'll show you the first time I see you. But listen, those things, I couldn't get in or out of those if I wanted to. Well, I, would, I would flip over. I would never get out. I would need like three guys to help me get out of well, that, one of those stupid little things. I mean, they're great for, for the fit, young, active, athletic coaches. I get it. Like, for yeah. example, Mark Francis, he pops in and out of that some bitch like it's nothing. Yeah. Right. But yeah. me, not so much. Not so much. Uh, I can't well, those chances. I'm pretty sure Mark Francis is older than you, number one. Number he he two, may be, but he's certainly more fit. When you don't buy a chair, you don't just buy a chair. When you're turning True. in your uh, travel receipts, I'm guessing the chair is often more expensive than the flight. <laughs> no, but I do like a nice Coleman oversized. Oh, the Coleman do. oversized. It's got a little, it's actually got a little cooler on it. It's pretty nice. Two, two cup holders is pretty important. Anyway, all right, let's keep moving. All right. Uh, go somewhere. What about this? What do you pack? Like you're out, you're out there, you know, like I'm, I'm always so impressed, Brian, with these coaches that, have snacks in their bags and they have drinks and they got a backpack that's got all the, you know, those little um, things hanging off of the caravanners. They got their water that, I mean, it's like they're ready to go camping. Yeah. It's very no, impressive. No. I'm very minimalist. I got yes. a carry on bag and a backpack. Like I'm going for six, seven days to Seattle, San Diego. I will carry on and I will have a backpack. That's it. No, but I mean at the field. Oh, at the field, I bring nothing. I bring my phone. I got my stuff in my phone that I need to yeah. know. And that's, that's it. Minimalist is exactly the word. I like a backpack. I like being having my key where somewhere to put my keys, my phone, my so I can focus. Have my wallet in case I want to get a diet coke. Yeah. I don't usually get. I'm not. I'm not qualified. I'm not. Um. I'm not. Um. Organized enough to have snacks. So I'm always I'm jealous sure. of the people that pull out a pull out a bar, and I'm like, oh, that's a smart move right now. So if you're in Seattle and you see me and I look hungry. Offer me up one of your bars. Will you, can you do that for me? Maybe some Cheez-Its. <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, I think that's it. Anything else on the travel? That's that's what we wanted to discuss. As people are getting ready to travel, make sure now, you're prepared. We got weather issues coming, looks like, in Seattle, maybe. Are we going to talk now or later about, like, coaches at the event? Oh, like, yeah, let's do that. Oh, back to okay. the sitting. Where do you sit? That was one of our topics. Where do you You sit where? Well, if I'm, I, I stand, but I'll stand if I'm, oh, watching, yeah, sorry. if I'm watching a forward, I'll stand in the attacking end. If I'm watching a center midfielder, I'll stand in the middle. If I'm watching a goalkeeper, I'll be down that end. When you're, when you say standing in the middle, what does that mean? Mm, Between I, the benches? No, 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 no. Cardinal <laughs> rule. Brian Lee will not be caught dead between the benches. <laughs> well, that's the, good. The, Matt Mott the, will not either. The 51 year old man between the benches is a little dodgy it's there's a fine line between recruiting and stalking there's a let's just go through this Brian let's go through this so any game you're at there is a person on the other on the other on the teams handing out flyers what do they do when they hand you hand you a flyer I don't know they say hello and they ask your name right where are you from what's your name yeah right so they write it down right every one of them writes it down so now they know who is at that game so True. does it matter if you're standing or sitting in the middle of the two benches 
or on the sideline or wherever, as long as they get your name. And and I would even argue it is all it's gotta be awkward as crap for those for those uh kids. And so I, you know, I, I just I picture that I I'm never standing in the middle, sitting in the middle. I think it's ridiculous. I can't believe coaches that do it. But here's my thing: they're coming up to check in. You high fiving them. Right, yeah. they're coming yeah, off the. Drink. Yeah, they're coming off the field, getting subbed off. You give a hand them a water towel, like you saying, "Hey, good job." They're pissed because they're coming off. Like I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the. Right here's the interesting piece. If you actually read the ECNL scouting stuff they send, they do a great job. So does mm-hmm. GA with sending stuff out. It says, "Do not sit between the benches." It, very explicit. It's the only thing they ask us not to do. Monday morning at 9.05 at the first field you're at, let me know if someone's sitting in between yeah. the benches. They don't ask us for much. No, no, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, I don't get it, but, you know, whatever. People do what they're going to do. It, it makes no – it doesn't give you an advantage, in my opinion, but I think you look foolish, quite honestly. But there's plenty of them that do it, no doubt about it. Well, I'm All sorry right. there are quirks about you, Matt, and me. <laughs> no question about it. No that annoy that. that. Yeah, so. I'm sure. What do you got? Mainly because I have such a successful podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's why. Yeah. What do you got? All Anything right. else in that? Good. On travel. All right. Let's bring in the mayor. Very excited. I once again to bring in the uh, the man of the hour, Robbie Church from uh, Duke University. We call him the mayor. Are you do you are you ready to go? Are you looking for votes out there in Seattle? This uh, when is the next election, Robbie? No, no, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I'm not both, but uh, great start, great start. Really, some really good questions on, on here too. I, I, I do like, um, I do like where people sit. That's that's always yeah. very interesting. And chairs, you know, if you, yes. if you see me, I have one of those fancy smashy chairs. But I have to arrive at the event thirty minutes early to put the chair together. It takes absolutely <laughs> 30 minutes to put the chair to, to, together. You got one of those little metal ones that put uh, together. Oh, yeah, this is one Irwin gave. When Irwin was here, he had his own uh, body. How the hell did thing. he sit in that thing? He's a tall he, guy. He couldn't put in that thing. So he ended up selling. Well, he didn't give it to me. He sold me the thing. And, <laughs> and, uh, so, But it's a great chair. Once I ever master getting it together, it's a great chair. But my only problem is I have to rock on it four times before I shoot myself out. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way I get it. I go to the field sometimes. Uh, yeah, out of that chair. So Jim Wayne told me one day, I'll give you twenty bucks if you try and sit in that chair. <laughs> so, the only way I'm getting out is if I roll myself out, uh, no, and then I'm oh, on the ground, laying on the ground. It's just not. No, good. All yeah, right, it's let's get rolling. So we do have some soccer stuff, which is pretty exciting. Some <laughs> of the schedules are out, um, and what we want to do is we want to go over. We have to give Chris Henderson some. Credit, Chris Henderson is putting together schedules. If you don't follow him and you're a college soccer person, you absolutely should. He does a great job of content um, and information about the college game and all kinds of stuff. So there's a little shout out for Chris Henderson, all white kit. And um, But anyway, he's putting together all the schedules um, and, and kind of grades. I don't quite know how he does it, grades them and who's got the toughest schedule. And right now the toughest schedule in the country so far is the Duke Blue Devils. So look oh. out for them. They're ready to roll. Uh, but we, we, have, uh, we have some marquee games, opening night, first game that we wanted to go through and, and, uh, and talk about. So, Brian, uh, we, we like to call this the kickoff classic. So we're looking for names kind of like uh, bowl games or, or big names for the games. 
um, that relate to the two teams. And then Robbie's going to give a sentence or two about each game, and then maybe we'll discuss it. Maybe we'll just keep moving. So let's let's do it. So this will be fun. Here we go. First game on the board. ACC-SEC showdown, Clemson versus Texas A&M at Clemson. All right. Wow, Robbie, you're thinking of your in-depth analysis. <laughs> this one is the Haley's Comet kickoff classic. Because <laughs> oh, A&M plays a tough road game about once every 75 years. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was wondering how Eddie got them over there. Um, it's impressive. Now AM's not afraid to play Carolina Duke, something like that, but they don't play that next year team on the road. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's gonna be a good game. This is gonna be a classic opening game with it. I think this is a one-goal game. I, I see I, I see whoever scores. I think it'd be I see a one-nothing game in this because I think both teams are pretty good defensively. I know Clemson's really good defensively, returning a lot of players there. Looking for some offensive power, uh, but I think this, the uh, the team that wins is gonna is gonna be the one that finds the, the gold. Love it, good game for sure, no doubt. Good game to kick off. Be fun to see how that goes. And we play Clemson actually in exhibitions, so um, mm. looking forward to that. All right, I'm calling you. It's two yeah, very well be. coached teams. Two very well coached teams should be a good game. Very good. I mean, that's a top twenty matchup, no question. All right, second one. Here we go. This is interesting. A Big 12, Big 10 showdown. Baylor versus Minnesota in Waco, Texas, Brian. Ooh, tasty little matchup. Today it was 110 degrees at the Rice Owls soccer camp, and Waco Oof. is not far away. Oof. So these poor Minnesota kids, yeah, uh, they don't know what they're in for the, it on opening day in August. So this one is the weather.com kickoff classic. <laughs> <laughs> i like it two for two uh, yeah that's great you know these are two two uh new coaching staffs over here minnesota in the second year baylor in their first year It'd be interesting how both staffs you know do i think this could set the table for the whole year for both of these programs um you know both of them i think you know have been mid-table in really good leagues and they're both look to jump start uh from this game yeah very good analysis church you like it all right, let's keep it rolling, guys. Um, third game, Miami Hurricanes against the Mississippi State Bulldogs down in Coral Gables in Florida. Coral Gables, Florida. All right, so, you know, James Armstrong and Sarah Barnes, two of the best people in college soccer. Would you agree? Absolutely. You'd love 100%. your kids to, to play for them. And, you know, a lot of times we used to do international trips where you get a good culture kind of experience. So the Miami, I'm sure this is a home and home. So the Mississippi State kids, land of the pickup trucks and the gun racks, <laughs> getting to go to Coral Gables with the Gucci uh, purses and the Rolex watches. There couldn't be two more opposite places. So we're going to call this the Anthony Bourdain Parts Unknown Roadrunner Kickoff Classic. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. All right, Churchy. How did I have to follow this? This is really good. Uh, <laughs> you know, what do you think? You think uh, James will take the group down to South Beach? What do you think that Mississippi State group <laughs> will do with uh, once they show up at South Beach over there? He may have a lot of transfer after after that game. <laughs> Miami. Miami, Miami's a tough place to play, though. Tough place yeah. to play. The field 
you know, the field looks small if you really, if you kind of measure it, it's not, but it's around the track. It's a, it looks like a tight area to tight area to play. There's not a lot of space out there. Miami plays very, very well at home. Um, but again, I think both of these programs are looking to really have good years. They're looking to have breakout, breakout years. I can see some goals. I can see some goals in this game. This could be something yeah. early in the season that this could be a three, two, four, three game. But I think you, if you go to the game, you may, go and see some goals happen. What's the chances that Nick Zimmerman is on South Beach at some point in that trip? <laughs> uh, there's a great, He's made uh, for Miami. <laughs> he, he is made. He may not come back. The only problem, he's got to get in that plane to return. That's that yeah. the problem that he has. <laughs> um, all right, good one. All right, here we go. Next one up, a um, WCC versus ACC Pitt versus Gonzaga in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know, last year as a man on the committee, right, Matt? Are you on the committee this year? I am. Yeah, last yeah. year. This is so, it. Pitt had a great record, correct? Yeah. And yeah, decent. They stood up all right in the uh, ACC, but their non-conference schedule left them not even close to getting in the tournament. So this is the hostess, no more cupcakes kickoff classic. <laughs> Gonzaga is a tough team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's good. Hostess. Yeah. I like it. Churchy? I love, yeah, I love this game. I actually think it could be one of the best opening games uh, of the season. I think, again, Randy Randy understands he's got to go out and test his team. He's got a really good team. Watch out for Pitt in the ACC. Um, he's got a really good team. Gonzaga is a very athletic team. I saw him a little bit playing Georgia last year. I was really, really impressed. I was very impressed with them. Um, I think you'll be very impressed if you watch a game, especially with Pittsburgh, they're a little bit – unknown but i think this is a year that they've been pointing to that they're, they're going to try to break out so but, but again i think it's it's a really important game for both of these teams i think it can kick start the winner the winner of this game can it can be kickstarted and you know i see this probably being a two one three two there'll be some pit pick and score some goals yeah scores and goals so I, I can see some goals also being in the in this match but uh really look forward to this game good all right here's it yeah here's good, good. Yeah, here's here's a good one coming for you. How about a little South Carolina, little SEC versus ACC, Florida State at South Carolina. Brian Penske with a long history of matches, great matches at Tennessee and South Carolina as they were East rivals. And now he takes the uh, fighting Seminoles in. Brian, what do you got? Well, this is one where, you know, Brian didn't make FSU schedule, right? With a new coach and sure. a changeover, that wouldn't be the ideal game you'd be looking to play. And if I was taking over FSU, that'd be the last place I'd want to play to open the season. Yeah. So we're going to call this the Little Shop of Horrors kickoff classic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, really and truly, you're right. I mean, they were bringing in the defending champs into Stone Stadium. It will be rocking. Yeah. And they'll have it packed out opening night. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be something. Robbie. Yeah. I, I bet this is the most viewed game of anything in, on opening night. If, if you could find the stats on that, I, I think everybody's going to want to look in and look at Brian Pinsky's Florida state team. What is that yeah. going to, what is that going to look like uh, this year? And, you know, again, with a lot of players returning, and as we talked about earlier, how united that group has has been, but then with with Brian and his staff putting the touches there and going into a you know a unbelievable place as you know Matt to to play, 
They better oh, score yeah. the first goal. All I gotta say for Florida. Yep. They yes, better indeed. not give up. They better not give up that first goal because if they do, there'll be some bus will be parked right outside the eighteen yard box, <laughs> and and they do it very very well. Very well, they do. So, so no yeah, question. Fun good match. One. Fun match. All right, here's another good game. Really interesting. The uh, UCF Golden Knights versus the Florida Gators opening night at UCF. They'll be packed in for that one too. Yeah, this one goes without saying, you know, the decline of Florida in Becky's final years, then they hired Tony, who's the opposite of Becky, and then Sam, who we all love, getting the job from a D2. But who knows what's going on there? So we're going to call this the Area 52 kickoff classic. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Churchy. Uh, he's killing him. He's killing him. He, he is. He is killing. Him. So you know, it's a rival game. It's an in-state. Your yes. state school. Your state school goes to another in-state school. As you, uh, as you mentioned, you know, UCF. Well, there'll be people all over the place. They will, you know, roll out the red carpet. This is all they're going to think about during preseason. Is um, you know, is Florida coming in there? And they don't have a lot of chances that Florida probably travels to them. So um, I think UCF will be really, really ready for this game, and it'd be interesting. You know, it's it's going to be early. You know, Sam's going to be able to put her fingerprints on this, but I think you can probably see the start of of Sam's era probably on this game, uh, especially I think defensively. Hopefully, um, they can shore things up because uh, Central Florida, if not, they they are very creative and can light you up very quickly. Oh, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, here's a good one. Uh, Wake versus UW-Milwaukee. Oh, this is a great game, and kudos to Tony for scheduling yeah. this. Uh, we, we've all tried to schedule UW-Milwaukee. They're guaranteed 14-15 wins. They're uh, a very, very good non-conference. But Tony got them at home. So how, why did this happen? So we're going to call this the Lyle Lovett kickoff classic i don't get it you don't, don't get, get it i don't get love it. love it do you know la love it yeah who did he marry he married uh the, what's your name the the uh, redhead um yeah julia roberts julia roberts thank Biggest you star yes. in the world. how did that happen <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah that's good man that's, good. Now. that's not bad yeah. All right, Churchy, you wait for us, Milwaukee. What do you think? Yeah, no, uh, another great game. Again, Tony had a great year last year. We really an upstart for him. He's got a lot of really good young talent, especially in the especially in the back. The goalkeepers returning, lost a lot of scoring up front, so he'll want to hoop. But he's bringing in some talented, athletic freshmen coming in. So, uh, and then obviously coach changing uh, coaching staffs. Kevin coming in at Milwaukee, a veteran coach. Uh, been around for a long time. Now he's back into the college game after being in the in the youth game for a long time and being in Washington State. Uh, and he's, you know, he's very savvy. So uh, I think this is going to be a close game. I think I see this being a probably another one nothing game. Who who gets that first goal? And I think it will probably come late in the match in this game. Love it. All right, uh, two more. Uh, that's a good one. St. Louis versus Arkansas. At St. Louis. All right, are we, are we calling these seven for seven so far? Yeah, uh, I am. Yeah, you've nailed it. You've hit it out of the park. Yeah, I loved every one of them. Okay, the last two, this might be where it goes off the rails. So <laughs> I'll, I'll take the seven, but we'll give these two a go. Okay. So are you familiar with the uh, kid's book, Captain Underpants? 
probably and, uh, used to it. It's post your kids era. But there's a, there's a kid's book called Captain Underpants. And in it, there's a song that's called I'm Smarter Than You by Albert Einstein. This is okay. a Colby Hale RPI special. I'm smarter <laughs> than all you guys. I'm traveling to St. Louis. So we're going to call this the Captain Underpants kickoff classic. <laughs> So you got calling Kobe Captain Underpants? <laughs> well, kind of. I'm also calling him Albert Einstein. So Albert, yeah, yeah he, I would think he would like that. He, he could take uh, it however he likes it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Church, well, thoughts on the game? That one gets you, about a C minus, Brian. I think. Yeah, maybe. I said it was going to go off the rails. Yeah, We're not okay. the last one yet. Okay. But thank God, Captain Underpants is in St. Louis and not in Durham, North Carolina, <laughs> like, like he was last year. Uh, oh, yeah. for, for the opening for the opening game so uh we you know i again i think it's you know two very good teams two two teams kind of in, in the same region um you know arkansas has you know just for the last 10 years have really done a phenomenal job and been very very consistent and i'm sure they're going to do the same thing this year the hard team to play uh but you know st louis again i i, um, I think it's a great game for st louis because i think they're hard to score on um, I, I see that being two one, maybe two nothing, but I think it will be both teams will be better because of the game. And I think at this time of year, that's all we're looking for is how can we improve and see because uh, they're playing each other. I think they'll see a lot of growth in their teams. Very good answer, Georgie. All right, and the final one of the uh, final one of the opening night so far. We'll probably add some more um, as this goes on, as more come out, we find more. Right, I mean next. Our next podcast, we'll do do this again or similar. Uh, Brian can come up with all these catchy little phrases. All right. Um, Kansas at Ohio State. Big 12, Big 10 showdown. It's at Kansas. Sorry, Kansas versus Ohio State at Kansas. Yeah, love this game. And I think these two teams, Matt, you and I used to talk a lot about being yo-yo teams, right? Yeah. In the SEC, where we're up, we're down. It's really hard for some teams to put two, two years, three years in a row together. You know, it's easy for the Dukes of the world to just mm -hmm. roll along. Like. <laughs> they don't even know what a yo-yo is. But, yeah, they don't even know what a yo-yo is. But the rest of us, this is hard. In Kansas and Ohio State, you know, they kind of uh, epitomize that. So I would call this the yo-yo classic. However, <laughs> I've got a little music to this. One of my favorite oh. songs ever. I should play this at the start okay. of the game. Every time he does his church, it's an epic failure. <laughs> what was that song? I couldn't even it's understand it. It's a little yo-yo with Ice Cube from about 1989. You okay. can't play with my yo-yo. Now, okay. the other thing I thought before we get Robbie's analysis, all the three of us, we talked about pickleball last week, right? Which yeah. clearly Robbie was going to play pickleball and you might like it and I was going to dislike it. Eighth grade, I want all three of you to imagine yourself, which of us was the most likely to be playing with a yo-yo, putting it to sleep, knowing all the little games. This one's a no brainer as well. Yeah. Bobby, who was it? Oh, it was Matt. It was oh, Matt. I, I have no idea how to use yo-yo. <laughs> oh, you'd be so good at the yo-yo. I can you see you be, and Darren on a Friday night. Darren, Darren. <laughs> You would be down. walking the dog, <laughs> walking the dog with the yo-yo, back and I can't forth. Even. You would have all the tricks on the neighborhood. I can't even whistle. People coming over there. <laughs> I don't use a yo-yo. I don't even know how to whistle. 
Um, but I appreciate that. I feel like that's a compliment, guys. I don't get many of that on the show. Certainly with the uh, certainly with the uh, old guy that was on here. Anyway, all right. Uh, Churchy thoughts on KU Ohio State? I'm in full agreement. Great game, great games. Veteran coaches. It should be really interesting how how both of these coaches approach this game. Um, and I think it's a absolutely must win for both teams as they as they go forward. You know they they you know they want to take they want to take a step in the national direction. They want to take a step and make a statement in their conference too on two big Power Five conferences. Um, I think it. I you know I think again it's probably going to be defensively. It's going to be a, a very tight, a very tight game. Um, I think maybe a mistake or maybe pressure, maybe when a team is pressing and turns them over uh, in their half of the field and be able to shorten field and, and find a goal. But uh, I think this will be a great game to watch and, and great game to follow. How will their seasons go after this game's over? Okay. All right. There you have it. The kickoff classic. We may, like I said, we may add some next time. That was fun. Good job, fellas. Excellent analysis. Uh, great names, Brian. I think you got eight out of nine. All right, eight out of nine. Eight out of nine. Um, all right. Pants, at least we get to get Colby's feedback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see what he thinks. All right, let's go through this. Just a couple more things, and then we'll get you out of here, Robbie. Um, what I have in here? Summer training, right? How, um, you know, I think some of the teams are having players, some players go and, um, you know, go and play in, in, in leagues and other People have them on campus and, uh, um, you know, what's the benefit? What's the right way to do it? I don't really know, but I know that if they can play games, it's good. But, you know, they talk about having captain's practices and, you know, I don't know how intense or how really helpful those can be if they're not intense, right? And they're not really getting some out of it. But what do you guys have as opinions on that summer training? I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think we we send a lot of kids, that they, a lot of kids go home, a lot of kids go to internships. Um, number of players go to New York and do some stuff in a financial district. And so we get them playing with teams in the, in areas that they're, that they're, you know, working at or doing internships, uh, at, you know, Manhattan soccer club has been a big one for us over the years. Uh, we do have a few kids that are, are staying in town doing summer school when they're also playing with the Carolina courage U 23 team. We've had a couple Michelle Cooper's trained, um, with the NWSL team. Sophie Jones going in with an NWSL team for a little while, but it's it's hard to get those kids in because they're prepping and recovering so much. A lot, not you know, they're, they're like a college team. There's not a lot of training training during during the right. season too. But I, I like our kids to play if they could play. I like them to play in May, June, and then early part of July to start to really you know step back from playing at that mm-hmm. point because and then really work on their fitness and make sure they fine tune their fitness a little bit in July and fine tune their technical work, but you, you need them fresh. You need them fresh. Yeah. And, you know, because obviously once we start, it's a, it's, you know, it's a grind. And so no you question. want them to play some, but you also want, they also want to make sure that they take off, you know, during the summertime, make sure they're still going on vacation. They take up, they build a weekend here and a weekend there to, to, to be able to take off and get ready. So they come into preseason fresh and, and ready to go. I couldn't like, agree anymore. Right. We're identical with that. The internships coupled with the plan for WPSL. And it's really, to me, it's get them in a good training situation, hope they have a great regular season, and then pray they lose the last couple of games and don't make the playoffs because the playoffs run a little long in it and they get a lot closer to preseason. Yeah. Oh, here we go with the smart schools and they're off with internships and, you know, <laughs> New York City and, you know, London for Brian and the Rice because they're just, 
Such smart schools, all the greatest ever. Anyway, uh, all right, good answers. Let's keep moving. Uh, last couple things. Um, Brian, men's proposal update. It got tabled. What does that mean? It got tabled, which is really TBD. We're not sure on the timeline, but I mean, this thing's dying a, a slow, painful death for the people really behind it. They, they really got, it had a chance, everybody thinks, but the day before there was going to be a vote, it was the Ivy League that reached out, sent a letter to everybody asking to table it and listed all the reasons they're against it. And there's two things right now in college athletics where if you're trying to get something through, you don't want either to happen. You don't want the Ivy League to write a letter against you because everybody yeah. follows the Ivy. They uh -huh. think they're the smartest kids in the room. Or you don't want Greg Sankey to say, hey, don't do that because we all know he's the czar of college athletics right now. So they, they hit one out of two and SEC doesn't play men's soccer. So that, that thing's got troubled, if you're asking for my opinion, which you weren't, but that's what happened. <laughs> All right, good answer. Churchy, last thing, and we'll, oh, no, two more things. Um, NWSL table update, give it to us quickly, please. Yeah, you you know, San Diego Wave, new team still on top, undefeated in the last five games. Um, you know, but Portland Thorns, you better watch out for them. They're undefeated in their last five, came off a 6 nothing win. The, the surprising thing, if you look at the table, look at the team, some of the teams at the bottom of the table. In, you know, NC Courage just saw them. Linda and I went to see them on yesterday. And uh, I tell you what, they, they had two Brazilian players that are really, really good, really mm -hmm. worth the money of emissions, really creative. But overall, they really they win, they win the Challenge Cup, and then all of a sudden, they, they end up at the bottom of the table. A lot of COVID issues there. Um, Washington Spirit. Washington Spirit is right in the middle of the table, seventh seventh place in it. Um, has three draws, two losses in our last five games. But I think I think that may change. I have a there's a little yeah yeah. I was gonna say we need to mention that right. Yeah, buddy Mark Corian is uh, the new GM president. I don't quite know his title. One of those yeah. big titles of the Washington Spirit. So those uh, I would just say this: those people there at Spirit yeah. are about to have their world changed on. They're about uh, to see what work rate is and what it uh, means to uh, show up to work and uh, and uh, get the best out of them. I mean, I think Mark will make an instant impact in that pro in that uh, in that um, club without question. So no question, no ramp. question. I mean, you yeah, know, defending national champions. Yeah. Uh, you know, bunch of talent, a lot of young talents. Obviously, yeah. Hard, obviously, it's hard to re uh, repeat every year, and maybe they got complacent. Well, their complacency is over. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I can I can promise you that uh, everybody that's up there, it, it is over and Mark will come up there and shake some trees and make yes, sure he will. They, uh, and they'll be they'll be going the right direction soon. And of course, we've got to, you know, somebody used to be on this show. Uh, yeah, um, you know, we got to talk about that. He's two points out of first place. Obviously, Chris yeah. is a fantastic job. Uh, job also undefeated in their last in, in their last five games with two wins and, and and three ties and he's just you know he's one game in hand he holds one less game than San Diego and he's two points out so a win here and he will probably vault to first first place I'm not sure if we ever talk to him again or he'll talk to us <laughs> if that happens but you know uh, it's interesting gonna... it's interesting with him um you know talking to him about his schedule so he's done now his midweek games. So he doesn't have any more winning games the rest of the year. So he's just got one game a week, which I think is really good. And then yeah. I think the other interesting thing is, and, and we can kind of roll right into this is um, the U S women's national team roster. Uh, yeah. 
you know, I mean, Washington lost eight players, not just to the U.S., but all over for the international break. And they still got to play games. I think they have three or four games without the international guys, maybe two games. I can't remember. But that's a lot of games to miss eight players if you're Washington. But, um, you know, Chris is in a good spot. It's teams fun to watch. They work their tails off. And yeah. Mallory Pugh, man, is on fire right now. She looks really good. So she, Yeah, she is. So and Alex Morgan is also becoming she on fire. Yep. They won 3 nothing this week over Gotham. She had two goals and assists. And, you know, with some injuries that they've had with, with Christian Press and some other ones up front, and the national team, she needs to be on fire, but it looks like she's sharp and ready to go and uh, is exciting. There's the other, uh, last thing I would add is the the OL rain in, in Seattle where we're all going. Um, you know, Tobin Heath signs there. Mm-hmm. They've signed a midfielder, Arsenal midfielder, Kim Little, who's supposed to be a really nice player. And one of the Canadian, Jordan, one of their forwards are, are joining them in, a, in the next week after the international break. It's a, they're off this week because of international break. And, um, you know, I think the uh, I think that's a team that you need to keep an eye on. And I think they are, you know, they're a fun team to watch. And you add those three quality players, they're, they're going to have a really big second half. And, you know, last thing on the, on the opposite side with uh, Orlando, I think it's been a tough sledding with, you know, with their mm-hmm. situation, their coaches. And, you know, the, we talked about all the teams that are undefeated in the last five, but Orlando is, is winless in the last five. So mm. that was yeah, they're getting, they're getting beat around for sure. How about um the U.S. national team roster? It's nice to see Rodman get pulled into that group, right? Yeah. Any other yep. surprises for you, uh, Robbie or Brian? The press omission before ACL, right? Blanco yeah. came out and said – Yep. She was already not on the roster before she tore ACL. Mm. Yeah, I think I saw, I saw that too. Um, I, you know, I think that's a, you know, they have two exhibition game and Cat that comes. Um, they're qualifying. So, I, again, I think it's a, a lot of the games like where this, with this young roster, especially some of these younger players, you know, will get, will get minutes. Yeah. And, uh, it's going to be some hard decisions, you know, as we have to, as they start to pair the roster down with the the really up and coming players. And a lot of those are attacking players. And then yeah. some of the veteran, some of the veteran players, how they blend those players together uh, will be very interesting to follow for the next month or so. Definitely. All right. And last thing, Churchy, Ronnie Woodward coming on, obviously yeah. a longtime friend um, and, and uh, coach with you and uh, give us your some, couple of thoughts on, on, uh, on Ronnie. Oh, that's my girl. Uh, what a phenomenal, phenomenal person. Um, no, Ronnie, you know, ever, she was, you know, she was the first scholarship player at Duke University. How about that? It's awesome. Um, she was a five, two, five, three goalkeeper. Um, <laughs> but, you know, did, did a phenomenal job at Duke and growing up and I knew her in the, when I was on the boys side in North Carolina, but I was coaching on the ODP side, the women's ODP side. And, uh, Ronnie was a spark plug there. You know, she's just a wonderful, wonderful mentor uh, for all the young ladies out there. Whatever role she's been, has that been in college or has that been you or that's been you? She's got great relationships. Uh, she's a great she's a great role model, uh, great, great family, son, husband, um, you know, just has, has put her life into this game. And, and wherever she's been, she's touched a lot of people in the youth level, the college level and. And just a great, great personality. Bobby, she's not applying for a job on the podcast. Okay, Let's just take it easy. Take it easy. My God. I mean, we got to have this up. We have to have something to ask her for Pete's sakes. <laughs> Keep it up and she'll have your job. Uh, uh, she probably will. She probably will. It probably won't be long. Yeah. 
All right. Well, listen, we're looking forward to chatting with her. Churchy, great job as always. We'll see you in Seattle. Save us a spot on the sideline, not in between the benches. I will uh, be on the end line. I will be on the end line. Yes. He's an end line guy. Yeah, he likes nice end line. Well, he yeah. gets to talk to everybody as they walk through, you know. No, He's, no, uh, that's why I go away. I, I have to get away from people <laughs> while I miss all the games. So I'm going to end yes. Yeah, the mayor, you know, I know Todd Yelton likes to bend your ear. He'll be out oh, there. No. Actually, I don't know if he's going, but, he, you know, he's not afraid to chat with you. Anyway, <laughs> um, all right, boys, appreciate it. Uh, let's, uh, Brian, let's get Ronnie in here. All right, good. All right, let me send her a little, uh, I'm going to pause this real quick. Pause this. All right, three, two, one. All right, Brian, very excited to bring in Ronnie Woodward, a friend of the show. Uh, been friends with both of us for a long, long time and, and just a great coach, as as Robbie so eloquently said over and over again. Uh, but no, certainly happy to have you on the show. Ronnie, welcome to College Soccer Nation. You guys, I can't tell you what an honor it is. I've been listening to you since day one. Oh, day one. nice. Day one. On my workouts, I take you with me. I laugh. So Perfect. Happy well, to be here. The people that know us, I feel like get the most enjoyment and entertainment out of it because they know our personalities and so on and so forth. But listen, as, then as you know, we like with everybody to start with your path and you've had a fantastic career and still still killing it. But give us a path, your path kind of to where you are there at Tennessee Soccer Club. Well, you know, truth of the matter is I owe it all to Robbie Church. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, right? So Robbie hired me. Um, to be his assistant coach when I was 25 years old at UNC Charlotte. I was not old enough yet to, uh, to rent a car. And he sent me on my first recruiting trip out to the West Coast. He said, yeah, just pick up your car. And I got there and they were like, no, you're not old enough to rent a car. You're 24 <laughs> and you can't have a car yet. And I was like, well, okay. So Robbie had to call and pay an obnoxious amount of money and talk them into giving me a car because here I was stuck out there watching some players um, for him and I had no way to get around. I was in Minnesota. Mm. So I go, I went to the Mall of America and I hung out for a while. When did Minnesota become West Coast? Yeah, true. <laughs> okay. Geography. So perhaps I stretched it a bit. I was in Minnesota and I wasn't quite that far away. Perhaps okay. my memory. I'm a little it's old. Still a good story though. Sorry. sorry it is bad. a true story though. It's a true story. <laughs> so I started as Robbie's assistant while I was there. I got my master's in counseling at uh, UNC Charlotte. And I left actually college coaching for a very brief amount of time to, uh, to be a counselor. And then I had the opportunity to go to my dream city at the time, which was the College of Charleston. And I dabbled a little bit in college soccer, as you guys know, I was at UNC Charlotte for a little bit. Then I went on to College of Charleston. And then I ended my career at Vanderbilt. And all along the way, I seemed to have followed Robbie Church. So when he vacated Vanderbilt, I came in and took his spot. And let's just say those were really big shoes to fit, Phil, <laughs> without a doubt. That and the fact he left me with 17 players on my roster total. And what as a, well, what a pal. What a pal. What a pal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a goalkeeper with a torn ACL. So, and I moved in July of that season. So wow. I would say that I uh, joined the SEC by fire. And, uh, and Robbie was on speed dial every day. And so I stayed there until I had my son. And when it got to about two, my priorities just changed a little bit. And so I stepped away from the college game for a little, well, definitely. 
And then I found my real passion, which was in the youth game. And so I've really enjoyed working at Tennessee Soccer Club and, and coaching these players and, and helping them get to be where you guys need them to be to help your programs be successful. And that's where I found my real passion and my real calling. Awesome. Brian? That is super interesting, Brian. Do you remember those Charlotte Soccer Club th teams you had? That was yeah. pre, was that where you were working at, Charlotte? I was, yeah. Alyssa Ramsey and those guys. Yeah, yeah Allie yeah. Hunt. Yep. 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 You yep. could see your love for youth coaching back then. Um, talk to us about the, the club jobs and the college jobs and which has been your favorite, like in certain areas. Anything stand out to you? Because you've done a lot of different things and been super successful at them all. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because my whole path changed a few years ago when I, I decided, hey, I'm coaching in the youth game now. and Maybe I should go back and go back to school and get my youth A. So on a whim, I went in and, and got my youth A, and that really changed everything for me moving forward. So I realized that I really loved being in the classroom, and I loved to teach, and that was something that I had kind of lost a little bit of. Um, and so I think one of my favorite parts is kind of the fact that now I can mix all of them together, and I get to train my team. I get to teach coaching licenses for U.S. soccer, and then I also get to scout in the US Soccer Scouting Network. And I think the fact, my favorite part is, is I get to do all of them now. And I can find a happy balance between, I'm busy, but I really enjoy putting my fingers in a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, interesting. So club politics, right? Yeah. And um, really the, the biggest question we have, and Brian and I talked about is, how have you seen the growth or have you not seen the growth in, um, women coaching in club like is that is that increased is it not increased obviously and I, and I meant to say this in the opening and I apologize uh -huh. Ronnie was the uh national coach of the year in 2016 um you know the national youth coach of the year so obviously to us and to me she's you know one of the best if not the best um you know coaches in the country so but there's not a lot of women out there still coaching what kind of what's your opinion yeah Why? you know I, I gotta tell you I look across the sidelines and when I'm coaching the ECNL and I'm on my way to Seattle tomorrow for the ECNL championships and, and I don't coach against many women, you know, I still don't. And I don't know if it's because it's the older age groups and some of the women are still in the younger age groups across the country. Um, but I don't see a lot of female coaches that are on the opposite side of me very often. And, uh, you know, one that comes to mind that I think does a fantastic job that I see twice a year is Carrie Sarver at internationals. And, and she's a great female role model. Her club does very well. And she's, she's um, proof that you can make it and stay in it. But one of my crusades is to get more women to keep coaching at higher levels, which is why I've gone back to start teaching in U.S. soccer, because I want to encourage these young girls to stick with it and these young women to stick with it because they can continue to coach. And some of them are very intimidated in the environment and it's very difficult for them. And so, you know, honestly, do I see as many female coaches as I'd like to across? No, I really don't. But do I see more across the fields than I used to? Yes, yeah. I do. But I'm in the U17 age group and do I see that many women? I probably won't see that many female coaches um, across ECNL playoffs this weekend that are in the U17 and U19 age groups. Ronnie, where do you see more gender bias, youth or college? Ooh, 
That's a slippery slope, Brian. It is a slippery slope. <laughs> hard, hard hitting questions here on the college. We're side. not <laughs> messing around. Um, I think my politically correct answer is it's difficult across both sides, but I think there might be more gender bias in the youth game. I think there's a real crusade to hire women in college athletics and college sports. And I don't think that that has gotten down to the competitive levels of the youth game yet. I think they are still hiring um, within what they know and sometimes that that means some of the women are not in those circles. Now, I, and you know, I'm one of the few females that that say don't hire a woman just to hire a woman. You know, yes. as you guys know, you know, I'm a big supporter of hiring the best candidate who is going to be able to help build that program and develop those players. I am a very big women's advocate. I am very big flag waver. I'm all about it, and I am I'm pro women. But if they're not the best qualified whether they're at U12 rec level or they're winning a national championship at the NCAA level, they should have to be the best qualified candidate in my opinion. But I think there's more of a push to hire female coaches in the college game than there is in the youth game right now. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, so okay, let's change gears a little bit, a little softer now, <laughs> a little bit. Let's go. So um, June 15th, yep. just came and went. So what kind of advice did you give the girls going into the calls? And now what kind of advice are you giving them after the calls if they didn't get the calls that maybe they wanted? So what, what from your standpoint, how, how has that gone and what's that been like? So my first opinion is everybody calm down. It's all <laughs> going to be okay. That's my first opinion. Yeah. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to work its way through. Um, I told them to enjoy the process. I told them to, to be themselves, that college coaches are professionals, that they talk to a lot of young women every single day and talk about their schools. And there was nothing to be intimidated by. There was nothing to be afraid of, that they just needed to let their personality shine through on those June 15th calls, one. Two, I also encourage them not to get too high or too low, depending on what the conversation shaped like. You know, you don't want to get a call from a school that also called 15 other players and have your hopes sky high that you're going to be their top recruit. You know, everything has to progress mm -hmm. and it has a, a system to it. And each individual recruit doesn't necessarily know what that coach's individual system is or where they fall on that hierarchy or where they are in that depth chart or the priority list. And so the, the biggest thing I told them is enjoy the process keep a spreadsheet on the dates and the conversations that you had with coaches, what time you talked to them, what your conversation entailed, if you were gonna have a follow-up conversation and then enjoy the process and then let's see what happens. And then we head into our next event and we keep playing. If you didn't get a call from a coach that you wanted to in your head now to Seattle, send them an email, let them know you're still interested in their program let them know that you're gonna be playing, send them your schedule. They can make the choice of whether they come or they don't, depending on what their priorities are and where you fall on their scale. What's the range on number of calls your kids got? You guys have a good team, so. so I have one, I have two really highly recruited players right now. So I have a 2005 team and I have all but two are juniors already. So I have two rising juniors. 
And one of them took 40 phone calls in three days. She actually spoke to 40 people? She spoke to 40 people in three days, yes. And the other one took 25. Oh, wow. So they took a lot of calls. And look, they're they're high dollar, high demand goal, they're high demand positions, right? One can score and one can stop people from scoring. So they're on both sides of it. Um, so you know, they're fortunate and they they're they're doing well, but they've also done a really good job in their recruiting process, setting themselves up for this point. Not only are they good players, but they've also done the work and they've sent the emails and they've been in correspondence and they have their Twitter account and they have their Instagram. And they've done the right things to put themselves out there to create their marketing plan to have coaches get interested in them. Good. Go ahead, Brian. ODP. You're now the matriarch of ODP. Mm. I mean, how long you been involved with it? 20? Hey, don't be using those big <laughs> Ronnie, we embrace We all age. have, Ronnie. We here, all here have. at College Soccer Nation, we, we embrace our age. Oh. The, uh, what, what's your take on how it's changed, where it is now, where's it going? So, uh, you know, I think there's a place for, for every bit of soccer in the country. And I think it serves different masters, right? And I think there's ways that people find joy in soccer and they find the opportunity to develop in a lot of different areas. And we found some really great players through ODP that we've identified. I think the niche for ODP right now, maybe it falls a little bit more heavily in the younger age groups, the 2010s, the 2009s, those early developmental, early identification ages, which is where we found a nice relationship and with US soccer. And US soccer comes in and is actively recruiting our events again. And they're looking for those players because they are kind of, ODP is serving the players that maybe are not in an ECNL club or perhaps in a, a girls academy club where they're getting the additional exposure that they already need. This is serving some of the US youth players that need additional highlighting in their life, right? At the older ages. At the younger ages, we're spanning. We're bringing in ECNL, we're bringing in GA, we're bringing in a lot of different types of players and a lot of really talented players at a young age. They tend to drop off as they get older, as their recruiting dies down and they've made their commitment, you know, and they've, they've gotten what they've needed out of ODP, then they kind of just organically diffuse. So our oldest age group is usually the smallest and our youngest age group is usually the largest. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm a big believer that it's not for everyone, but it is for someone. And it's a service that we provide to help develop players and identify players that may not have the opportunity to be identified in another place or can get in another observation and identification through our avenue. That is very well said. I have to admit that's very <laughs> well said. And it's true. I think you're absolutely, sorry, Brian. I think you're absolutely correct. That, that is spot on. That is still as a vehicle that is very helpful and useful for a number of players. Mm -hmm. I absolutely can agree. And we've all had a lot of fun in uh, Montevallo through the years. There's no question. I mean, we, we dread going there and then we get there, we all get together and it's a really good time. So I'm glad it's still rolling. Go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Oh yeah. So Matt and I spent a lot of time in the Gulf coast. How's ODP for the Gulf Coast kids? Talk about that. More important, less important than a kid from Houston. What do you think? Um, I think it's more important, but I'm not sure that they're viewing it as more important right now. I think we need to continue to grow larger in the non-GA, non-ECNL states. I think we need to grow ODP and make it 
make it into a bigger entity there and have more importance. Maybe that means we need to get out and do more scouting. Maybe that means our state level technical directors need to get into some of those smaller areas and bring them into the fold. But I think there's transportation issues. I think there's just not knowing in some of those areas as you guys are well aware. Um, but I think that we need to find more. And I also think that one of the big issues that we have in the club game right now, and this is a tiny soapbox that I'm talking about a lot, but I think that we tend to look at young female athletes and we're not developing them and grabbing them and putting them in women's soccer. We're still looking for the tight and tidy little player in a 6v6 environment, an 8v8 environment. And the ones that are going to be athletic and moving forward may not be getting the same opportunities as the pure soccer player. When at that 2010, 2011, 2012 age group, we need to find those fantastic athletes and put a ball in front of them. And that's gonna make them better when they get older. And I think that's one of the things we miss. We spend a lot of time in tiny boxes, training our kids at really young ages in our academy level for girls and boys. And I think we've gotta really make sure that we're identifying the great athletes that might not be growing into their body at the rate that they need to and develop them. And I think a lot of them are coming from some of those smaller states that you're referring to. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to go find some of those great athletes and pull them in. And if ODP is their mechanism, then that's their mechanism. And that's where we need to be. And I think U.S. soccer has identified ODP as being one of those mechanisms. You know, when I talk to Morale and I talk to Katie and Diane and now Lindsay, they all rely on us to give them information on some of the smaller states that maybe they are not able to get to that are not considered soccer hotbeds because they don't want to miss anyone either. Whereas in years past, they really wrote it off. Now they're really organically working together with us to try to form that union. Great point. Yeah. Um, all right, next question. How much college game, how many college games do you watch a year and do you feel like it's helpful for your players when you're advising them the level in which they can play at or not play at? Oh, are you kidding me? Look, <laughs> I am a college soccer dork just because I'm not coaching in it and I don't miss coaching in it, just to be really clear. Like, <laughs> I love you guys, but I really yeah. love watching you guys on TV drinking a beer. But I will, every night, I will have, and this is no joke, I will have my television on streaming a game, I'll have my iPad on streaming another game, and I'll have my phone on streaming another game. So I'll watch three games at the same time and pop in between games. Yeah, that's awesome. And, so, and I think it's so important for the, the yeah. club coaches to have an idea of this is how Rice right. plays, this is how Ole Miss plays, this is how right. Duke plays, this is how whoever plays. So when you have players saying, hey, I'm looking to play there, you're a good fit. You're not a good fit. You right. know, it's, it's hugely important. So that's well, good to I, hear. Well, how can I represent you guys if I don't know how you play, right? Like, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm a college soccer disciple. I could probably name your lineups and I could tell you what your scores on a lot of your games. And, you know, I just, it's one, I love it to be really clear. Like I love college soccer and I'm wholeheartedly in support of young female players having their aspirations to go play there, but also think that I have to watch all of it to make sure that I can advise my players to go in the right direction for what they fit in. And you guys, listen, if you guys called me and I gave you a bum deal and told you this kid could play for you and she can't because I didn't know your level, you wouldn't ask my advice again. Right. Yeah. Great point. Great so. point. All right. Last question. This is an easy one. Well, two, two more. Sorry. Um, we want to know about Robbie's influence on you. We've talked about that a little bit. 
but we want to hear about your interview in Charlotte when uh, when you went to dinner. How, how did how did that go, Robbie? <laughs> First of all, Robbie Church is one of my very best friends in the entire world, and we stay in in very good contact. His family is near and dear to my heart. Um, I keep in contact with both Kyle and Ashley. And to be honest, I laugh about it, but you know, the mayor, I owe everything that I am to him. You know, mm -hmm. he took me under his wing when I was young and he took a chance on me. And I think the only reason he took a chance on me is because I allowed him to eat the French fries off of my plate <laughs> in my interview. To this day, he denies it. He sat there and took them off of my plate and ate them and I just looked at him. He probably couldn't even say my last name because my maiden name is Kovaleski. Yes. No way. Yeah, but, no chance. Yeah, no, there's no way. But the guy was eating my lunch off of my plate. And I thought, this is going great. So hold on, I gotta set this up. So you're in an interview. I am. You're there trying to get the job. Yes. He's interviewing you. Yes. He's asking you a question. As he asks you the question, he reaches across the table and grabs a few fries. He does. Is that right? And eats them. And continues to ask me questions. And he doesn't know it once, you guys. He keeps eating off my plate. He keeps eating off my plate. And I'm like, oh, that is oh, great. Love. That and is at that great. moment, I knew that I had a soft spot for Robbie Church in my heart for the rest of my life. I just knew uh, that I was run through a wall for him and uh, I would do anything for him. But, but you knew you knew right then and there that this guy needed the help. So you better sign on, right? <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, how is this gonna go? I'm like, what? And it went just like that, you guys. So he would pick up mm -hmm. Kyle and Ashley from school every day and they would proceed to come in my office and sit on my lap mm. the whole time I was working. <laughs> and then we would go out and I kid you not, we would in warm up, I'd be laying ball, you know, because in the old days, we, the assistant coaches would lay balls off, right? Sure. Balls yeah, off. yeah, absolutely. So I'm out there laying balls off. Robbie's on the sideline and I'm holding Kyle Church's hand <laughs> in the warm up as I'm laying balls off. So I was a uh, babysitter oh, as wow. well as uh, you got to share your share half your lunch with them. <laughs> One day I'll tell you the dead cat story. That's oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ronnie. Well, listen, we appreciate you coming on for sure. You've been fantastic, just like we knew you would be. Um, you know, again, if you want to take another few seconds to just talk, you can talk about how great Nashville is and Tennessee Soccer Club and give it a little pitch if you'd like. We'd love to hear it. <laughs> give a little pitch for Tennessee soccer club. <laughs> yeah. So listen, Nashville is Nashville. You guys, you got to come visit. And when you guys come in town, we'll go out. Cause you'll, I don't know if you're here next year, but um, it's a good little town. Tennessee soccer club's doing great. We've got our Oh nines, our Oh eights, our sevens and our Oh fives playing in the playoffs this week. Um, wow. All of them finished in a one or two seed going in. And so, you know, the youth is really good. People look at Tennessee Soccer Club, and I think over the past several years have really gained in popularity and have gained in respect when it comes to the women's side in the ECNL. And I know we've got one going to Ole Miss that plays for me right now that's going to play for Matt, um, and she's a good one. And, you know, she was highly recruited and is excited to head down there. And so, you know, Tennessee Soccer Club is great. Players are working hard. They're developing quickly. Our younger ages are committed to the game. They're treated like professionals. And, you know, we're fortunate enough to play in the Ohio Valley and have a lot of people heading out to Seattle next week. It's awesome. So I got, I do have to mention this about Nashville. I saw this the, for the first time and it's probably going on for, for years, but it's the first time I saw it was in for the Bon Jovi concert a few, few months ago. It was awesome. 
in downtown they had the buses that are cut off at the top and they have the people having their whatever party in it those were awesome yeah. i'm just thinking to myself that's like an odp event an odp alumni oh. reunion is what we need to do get in one of those buses drive around nashville with a dj uh dancing can you see jim wayne up there dancing jim wayne jim Robbie. Already, he's already gotten my liver in town before he's already been here and he's already <laughs> taken my liver with him it's okay but hey you know what we call those girls what we call them the woo girls because they drive around going <laughs> the whole time yeah the they do time. in the oh, back of the pickup truck did you see the tractor yeah yeah tractor pulling them yeah tractor pulling people around yeah yeah we got it all we are That's impressive. downtown Nashville. <laughs> it's impressive. Does look like fun though. All right, Ronnie, you've been fantastic. We appreciate appreciate your support too, College Soccer Nation. Uh, safe travels out to uh, Seattle. We will be out there. We will see you. Um, and uh, good luck to your team. And again, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, appreciate it. Hey, Brian, I'll be there a couple minutes. You can pour me a bourbon rock so I can see behind you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Ronnie. That was great. Yeah, appreciate you guys. That was fun. I want, I had to, are we not recording? No, we're still recording. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. Okay. You're good. We'll cut it off right there. Yep. I was like, Let me uh, put you on pause. that whole women. All right. Yeah. Three, two, one. All right, Brian, that was good. She was good. We knew she'd be transparent and certainly has an opinion. She's been so successful through her career. So it was certainly fun to talk to. I thought she was excellent. Me too. Fantastic. It's awesome to see someone with that comparative between club and college who's been successful at both. Yeah. How many is there out there like that? Not many, I wouldn't say. Not many. I have had like 10 years of more than 10 years of college and now probably close to that in, in club and then has done really well both. So well, certainly yeah, she's not a good one. Stepped away from college on their own terms. There's plenty of yeah, college right, coaches right. in club coaching, but Ronnie could have been at Vanderbilt still today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, let's uh, let's go on. It's Power Five time, Coach Lee. I think this will be a fun one. It'll be kind of funny. Um, I don't know if it'll be funny, but it'll be enter entertaining, I guess is the word we're looking for. All right, here we go. The Power Five camp games. Uh, Petroselli would be sick. He would be disgusted by this if he was on. This is no way he would do this. But let's go. Your number five is? Well, these, let's clarify. These are yep. day camp games. Day this camp, yes. ID camp. This isn't overnight. Right. And, you know, Thank whatever. You. This is six, seven, eight-year-olds where, Absolutely. you know, to speak about the old uh, Gray Fox, that was not his wheelhouse. <laughs> that was not his wheelhouse. That's true. All but, right. All right. Number five for me, the classic makes every coach cringe when you see it, but it's a must. The little kids love it. World Cup. Yeah, I didn't make my list. It, it does make you cringe, but it doesn't do it doesn't do much for you. I don't think it's that great. I gotta be honest. The kids it depends love it, on the team. They do love it though. That's all they want. I don't think play. it's great either. But have you ever seen kids play World Cup and be like, "Hey, that sucked"? Yeah, true. Good point. They love it. All right, my number five. You're gonna like this again. Chris would be so disgusted. Karate Man, Gunman, Gorilla Man. You ever seen that one? Not familiar. It's paper, rock, scissors. Okay. But you have. A karate man that does a haya. You have the gunman that shoots bang bang, and they have a gorilla. Rawr. So the gorilla gets the karate man, the karate man gets the gunman, and the gunman shoots the gorilla. So just like paper, rock, scissors. So you go back to back. You know, one the coach says one, two, three, they turn around and make the noise. They love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, that's a good one. Matt Mott special right there. How we roll. All right, my number four. 
this is one that uh, we came up with many years ago in ODP, actually, I think. Rob Thompson and I. It's called Around the World. Around the World is you jump on my back. You have to climb around my body and get back on my back before the next group. Oh, boy. So Rob Thompson and I demonstrated this. And I was on Rob's back trying to claim around, and he dropped me square on my back. Uh, But we actually did do it one time. This was many, many pounds ago and many, many years ago. But there's all kinds of variations. You can have them sprint around a big circle and then jump on. Oh, they love it. They love it. You're number four. All right, my number four, and we like to do this at afternoons. We go into our bubble in the afternoons. Mm -hmm. A giant full field game of capture the flag. Coaches, kids, everybody's in. Now, how do you play? We have the same thing. It's later on in my list called Rebel Escape, Ooh, which is like capital is like capture the flag. Yeah, we capital have a flag we have it. a jail. We have oh, it's it's yeah. it's it's on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have to give I have to give credit to Steve Holman. Steve Holman was the one that came up with it here at Ole Miss, and the Ole Miss kid, the Ole Miss players showed me they did a camp. We've done it ever since. It is the favorite game of camp. Steve Holman's Rebel. a very good camp guy. Yeah, absolutely. Rebel Escape. All right. Your number three is what? My number three is no ball soccer. I don't it know is, this one. They play soccer. I don't know which numbers are. 8 v 8, 11 v 11. There's no ball. Everything's imagination. Everything's imaginary. <laughs> there goes the ball. We just play. That's stupid. That's uh, stupid it, it's so much better than you would think. I, it's hard for me to believe. How many balls are going at once? Because everybody would want to have the ball. There's no ball. No, there's one ball. Everyone's got to know where it is. It's an unbelievable introduction to kids to offsides. I would like to see that. That's different. All right. My number three is, I have to give Karen Hoppe credit for this one. Shot, shot goal. Just like duck, duck, goose. (laughs) So the little five-year-old sit in a circle and they go around and go shot, 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 goal. They take off and run around. But when they go home and their mom say, what'd you do at soccer camp? They say, we played shot, shot, goal. Instead of duck, duck, goose. Duck, goose. That's uh, brilliant. That That's Karen, Karen Hoppe. Hoppe. Karen Hoppe credit. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. You're number two. My number two is Snatch, the warm-up game. I don't know that one. Oh, with the with the, with the the bibs? No, 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 no. Two people standing across from the ball. You say forehead, knees. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know it's, it's called Snatch. 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 I didn't know that was the thing. And yeah. the first to, guess, to grab the ball gets the point. Oh, we call it ball. Like you say ball, first one to grab the ball, because you say back, but whatever, ball. Yeah. That's way better than snatch. Yeah. All right, here we go. Right. My number two. This is, again, I got credit to all these people that came up with these. Becky Fletcher came up with this one called Screaming Marshmallows. Have you ever played uh, Run the Gauntlet? You know Run the Gauntlet where they line up on one side and there's like two people, a person on either side, they start running, you try and hit them with the ball. If they get hit, then they come out. And you, you get like down to like one person's trying to run. What's that? Dodgeball? No, no, no. Stand up, like stand on the end line, and then they got to run to the 18. But okay. there's two people wide on the 18 kicking balls at them, trying to hit okay. them or their ball. They hit that's, them and they're out. Run the guy. Sounds but, like a lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> but, but we call it screaming marshmallows. Becky changes it for the little four-year-old, five-year-old girls because they scream when they take off running. Yeah. It was brilliant. Yeah. Girls right, love it. Bad. Screaming marshmallows. Yep. Yeah. All right. You're number two. Oh, I just did my number two. Oh, right. two. Number, you're number one. Sorry. My number one is the soccer Olympics. Oh. 
25 years this thing's been running. I stole it from Ray and Tracy. We had a rain day. I was working Ray and Tracy's camp at Clemson. All the coaches, Joe Bartlinski, Holman was there. We got our heads no together. We said, what are we going to do? We can't go on the fields. Boom, boom, boom. It was an Olympic year and we came up with the soccer Olympics. So you go through the series of events, you know, you're juggling, you're passing the ball into pugs, you're uh, chipping balls into garbage cans, stuff mm. like that. You have all your events. We've been doing it on the last day of camp for the last 25 years after. It's awesome. We do a little procession. They march out with their country. Oh, wow. Flag. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big deal. That's pretty good. Well, I've got, I got, I'm going to end with two. Okay. Ooh. One is the very popular shooting game, Power Finesse. Everybody loves oh, Power yeah, Finesse. Yeah. But the, the favorite camp game, again, I got to give Chris Petroselli credit for this. Actually, him and I came up with it together, but we do it at the end of every camp. It's called 3v3 Jamboree. We set our field up in all these small 3v3 fields and they just play, they play games and then we split them and then they do a dance contest. They do, Macarena, the YMCA. Now we're doing the gritty, whatever it is, dance in between them. The kids love it. It's a great time. Counselors versus coaches playing. It's uh, uh, just a jamboree. You know, Chris's vision was it was like a carnival where you have snow cones and you have all this stuff and you're playing 3v3 jamboree. Everybody's okay. loving playing soccer. So that's my number one. All right. So let's go through them. Your five are. Going, going down, five, World Cup, four, capture the flag, three, no ball soccer, two, snatch, one, the Soccer Olympics. All right, mine are Karate Man, Gunman, Gorilla Man, Around the World, Shot Shot Goal, Screaming Marshmallows, and 3v3 Jamboree. Pretty good. All right, well, we'll see what the voters think. All right, let's uh, move it on. What are you looking forward to this week, Brian? I think probably a trip to the West Coast. I, I tell you what, I, and I... I'm usually not excited about recruiting trips, but I'm almost giddy about this one. Seattle and San Diego, lots of especially 24s to see a few 23s, maybe a 25, but really concentrating on the 24s. Can't wait. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I haven't been excited like this for a while. I, I agree with you. A lot of players out there. Some of our committed kids are there and and uh, certainly a bunch of 24s. So looking forward to watching them, having a uh, a good time back out there on the road with with everyone, and hopefully this is something you can download as you're uh, flying out. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you, the mayor. Um, and certainly thank you to Ronnie Woodward, who was fantastic from Tennessee Soccer Club, giving us really good um, insider look into the kind of club game, and, and uh, we really appreciate her coming on. Been a good episode. We'll probably come back about two weeks, and by that time, we'll be at the end of you know, end of June, beginning of July, ready to uh, getting ready to rock and roll, be a month out by that time, Brian. So thanks for coming on. College Soccer Nation appreciates everybody's download support. College Soccer Nation is out. <laughs>